And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your hosts, Ken and Trevor, part of Unhinged Radio Network, powered by Belly Up Sports. As always, you can find Trevor and I on social media. Trevor's at the BleacherCon1. I am at the BleacherCon2. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, uh, the Bleacher Connection podcast, and our link tree for all of our links to our merch page, our partners at Dr. Squatch, and a lot of other good information around the network. Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ken. How about yourself? Not too bad for a Sunday. It would have been a little better if uh, the Lions didn't uh, crap the bed yesterday with three missed field goals, but I'll get through it. I, I'm, I'm, as a Calgary Stampeders fan, more than happy to watch the BC Lions shit the bed. They pretty much cement a playoff uh, position for my team, so it's beautiful. Uh, joining us actually on the show today, we're excited to have a, another guest join us. And uh, just for those out there, Ken has hit record this time, so we won't have to do it again next week. Uh, the notes are working. The notes are it's working. perfect. That, that big sticky note right there on your monitor. I can see it. Looks great. Uh, on the show today, we're excited to have a guest join us to talk all things hockey. We talked Canadian Football League last week. We're back to the NHL. We're Canadians. We live and breathe this. Joining us today is one of our new friends from the Belly Up Podcast Network and regular contributor to Belly Up Hockey. Host of the Here in Puckbird Podcast and co-host of the Ignite the Lamp Podcast on Belly Up Sports, self-proclaimed rabid Colorado Avalanche fan, ooh, and well-known <laughs> on Twitter as Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. Welcome to the Bleacher Connection, Kyle. It is an honor to be on the Bleacher Connection. How is it going, my friends? We That's are bad, great Kyle. today. Uh, how's uh, everything going down in Alabama? Oh, you know, it's about 60 degrees, so everybody's freezing to death. Uh, it's minus six degrees Celsius in Calgary right now. Yeah, it's about the same in Edmonton. So the the the, the warm weather clothes or the cold weather clothes are coming out. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's wonderful weather, and we just had our minor league hockey team cranking up this week. So there is hockey to be had in the lovely state of Alabama. Now, part of one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show, Kyle, is and Ken reached out to me and said. We got a huge hockey fan in Alabama. <laughs> we have to talk to you. We have to because, you know, Ken and I are both Canadians. We, we live and breathe NHL, Western Hockey League, Canadian Hockey League, U.S. Hockey, everything. It's not every day that we get a chance to talk to somebody in the deep south who's such a big hockey fan. It is an honor to have you on today, Kyle. Thank you. Well, it's an honor. It's an honor to come on. And yeah, it is weird for someone in college football country to be a rabid just hockey fan. Um, but it's just how I grew up. And I think it doubles down on itself when it comes to that fandom, having to defend it in such a rabid like football, baseball part of the world. So I'm just glad to be on and talking hockey for a change. Yeah. And for, for those who we're, we can see Kyle's uh, wall behind him that he uses for his setup. There's what about a, a dozen at least jerseys behind you on the wall? Oh, oh yeah, not more. Yeah, <laughs> and more that's lined up on the wall that you can't see. So this is collection throughout the years. Very nice, very nice. Now, before we get into today's show, there's a topic that all three of us felt like we we had to discuss this week. I don't want to talk about this. I think it's absolutely disgusting what has happened but we have to everybody knows what we're, what we're referring to and that's the disgrace that's become the Chicago Blackhawks organization I don't think you can put it any other way the story came out this week Kyle Beach and some allegations disgusting absolutely disgusting 
Uh, sorry, not Kyle Beach. I, he's a hero, in my opinion, that what has happened is just atrocious. And we have to talk about this. We've had some significant people lose their jobs, Stan Bowman, um, Joel Quenville, and some significant people not lose their jobs in Kevin Sheveldayoff in Winnipeg. Kyle, I want to throw it to you first. What was your initial reaction to this whole, I'm just going to call it gong show? Oh, gong show is putting it mildly. Um, Shit show, then we can say that. (laughs) For everything that Kyle Beach and those involved, those that still haven't come forward yet, I mean, this is just a reign of terror and turning a blind eye to something so terrible. I mean, it's the most basic, just do the right thing. And in order to not shake the ship and rattle the boat, just to keep playoffs going and not, you know, upset the apple cart, it's absolutely disgusting. And for everything to come out 11 years later, I mean, and for the NHL, the, the smallest they did was fine the Blackhawks $2 million. You can't put a price tag on this situation and all the, the damage that's been done to everyone involved. And I, it's just an absolute black eye on the league. Um, the Blackhawks, I'm glad everyone lost their job except for Shovel Day off for some reason. Um, and Joe Quinville, I mean, he used to be affiliated with the Colorado Avalanche, so I know him well. It's just to see those, every all names involved, it's absolutely atrocious and a very dark day in the NHL. Yeah, I think, and I, I agree with what Trevor said about Kyle Beach being a hero. He didn't, he came out and did that interview with Rick Westhead on TSN and said, this is who it, this is who it is. I, this is, it's me. And he didn't have to do that. He could have continued to be uh, John Doe and, or, or referred to as the black ace, but he came out to say, this is, it was me. This is, it was done to me. And I, I didn't watch it all. Uh, what I did see, was very difficult to watch because the, the the raw emotion of how his life has been destroyed by this and how it's affected him. It, it's not right. Uh, Trevor and I, we did a show back a while ago where we talked about how pro sports in general, and it kind of went with some things that were going on in hockey at the time. We said pro sports puts winning over culture and character the right culture and the right character. And what came out of that independent report that said exactly that the Blackhawks prioritized winning a Stanley cup over a sexual assault uh, allegation brought to them. Now, what makes this even worse is the Chicago Blackhawks senior management knew about it. The allegations, they didn't do anything about it. And then they gave this guy a bloody glowing review where he went off and then assaulted a 16 year old and Kyle beach apologized. That was very powerful to, to that 16 year old. And you could see the pain in his face. You could hear it in his voice. He felt responsible for that, but it's not like he sat back and didn't say anything. He brought it to people. He thought he could trust to do something with it and they ignored it. And then this happens. And I think like you, Cal, you said the $2 million fine they got, that's a joke. They find New Jersey more for cap circumvention. They took away a draft pick from 
the coyotes and find them, I think, you know, more or whatever. It was like, well, here's $2 million. Like that's nothing. They should be severely punished for this. The, the fine should be within the tens of millions and loss of draft picks more, more needs to be done about this because this is such, it's just a joke. What, the, what has happened and how it's got this far and for how Kevin shovel day off did not get fired. Cause he wasn't a senior executive. He was assistant general manager. I don't think you get really much higher on the senior chain. You might be lower on the senior chain, but you're still up there. Um, and for the players, Taves, you know, supposedly this great leader comes out and almost defends Stan Bowman and McIsaac because they did right by him. Give me a break, man. Like you were a leader on that team. And, you know, it was Nick Boynton and Brent Sopel and a few others came forward and put their reputations on last everyone knew everybody knew what was going on it's just the fact that what 35 37 people refused to participate more people need to be held accountable for this ken you just hit a point that i want to go a little bit further on and that is the players of those 37 how many of those were players i can guarantee a large portion of them were what I find just, just baffling and disgusting about it all is conveniently any player who's not in the league has come forward and said, yeah, this absolutely happened. But funny, anybody who's still in the league, Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, oh, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Don't give me that. Don't give me that garbage. You knew everything. Jonathan Taves, your interview the other night was appalling, disgusting. I have zero respect for you. Captain Canada, no way. I don't even ever want to see you put on a Canada jersey ever again. That was so disgusting. Sticking up for people who blatantly hid sexual abuse. Patrick Kane, oh, I didn't know. I didn't. He's got his own rap sheet of stuff, potential assault as well. I I have zero. He has zero integrity to me. Patrick Kane. Duncan Keith, I knew nothing. Don't give me that bullshit. You guys were the core of that team. If the captain didn't know, well, then obviously he wasn't a very good captain, but he did. He admitted it, and he still didn't do anything about it. That is what drives me the most nuts about this. Nothing. Nothing will change until the players are held accountable. And to me, that means Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, uh, Andrew Ladd, None of them should be playing hockey this season. They should all all be suspended for the year. It is, I'm so, so frustrated in this whole thing. And I don't know what else needs to be said. Not enough has happened. $2 million is a joke. Players still playing is a joke. I I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so gross. And uh, a point that Ken was making about an episode that y'all did about the, um, that pro sports puts so much emphasis on winning over integrity and a lot of other aspects. Like we talked about me being from Alabama college sports is rampant with that in the States right now with that same, with that same problem. And because they're on, you get these players for maybe a year to four years, you experience this in microcosms. And what usually happens is management like deans, um, athletic directors, coaches, They'll get fired under the context of lack of institutional control. And this is one of those that if this was a proactive thing in the beginning, 
um, Bowman would have fallen under lack of institutional control because if you can't control your team and what goes on in it, or if those that are working under you purposely hide things to not rock the boat or get people in trouble, that's a lack of institutional control. And those jobs should have been lost years ago. And a lot of the pain and this just madman going on this rant about this could have been stopped a long time ago. So I'm glad everyone lost their job. I mean, you can ask Blackhawks fans if this didn't go on or not. They would have been glad to see Stan Bowman leave, especially after the moves he's been making. But you hate that it's under this context and that this happened in your house. And I know it's hard for Blackhawks fans to put that jersey on and know what happened in that house. So it's going to be a lot of recovery for everyone involved and the fans that um, support that team. Yeah, I, there was one thing that I, I wanted to bring up with this too. You know, Trevor, you and I talked about Akeem Alou. I was just going to bring up Akeem Alou. Yeah, he, he stood up in junior for what was going on with the, the hazing and stuff. And he was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go through this. And he was deemed a problem and he was traded and, you know, he was a problem in juniors. He then within the Blackhawks organization with Bill, the 2010 Blackhawks with Bill Peters as his coach is called the N word within the organization. Akeem Alou also then ended up going to Winnipeg. And was at camp and with Kevin Shevel Day off as his GM. And he wrote a story with over the last uh, year or two here where he said he had he felt like he had to apologize to Kevin Shevel Day off because his coach called him the N-word. And that that's ridiculous. But what brought me to Kimalu and the Kyle Beach story as a kind of connection when Kyle Beach was out of the Chicago organization because he was drafted 11th overall in the first round. Nothing but story after story after story of how he was a bust. Like, no shit. Look what happened to him. Look what he was going through. And what, you know, oh, you got to play hockey. You got to focus on hockey. No, like, these are human beings. And this is the kind of stuff that's going to cause them to not want to be in the league or you know, not be as successful as you expect them to be. But it was just kind of that connection between the two, how they were, they were the problems, but they were the victims. And you run into that problem of the NHL being almost like an old boys club um, where you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to be against the norm in any way. I mean, Theo Fleury ran into the same ordeal in his career and you didn't hear about it until after he was done because he didn't want that, the hazing in the locker room and to be made fun of like Kyle beach had to go through. So that old boy club mentality of the NHL is hopefully dying out, slowly dying out, but it's, it's a huge problem. And with situations like this, it becomes very apparent. Yeah. There, there's something that's rotten to the core in hockey culture. And I put it up on my Twitter the other day where I live and breathe hockey Yet some days I'm embarrassed to admit that because of these types of stories. And it's not even just the NHL, it's junior hockey. There's a major problem in Canada with the junior hockey leagues and hazing. And, and I think we would all agree that there is something that needs to change in the hockey world. And yes, it is an old boys club. Um, 
I don't want to give this any more time. I'm disgusted with the Chicago Blackhawks. I think everybody is. I want to get to the, the fun of today's show. We've got this unpleasantries out of the way is what we've called it. Kyle, you're a major hockey fan in from Southern Alabama. Where did your love of hockey originate? Tell us about it. I think I was born at the right time. Um, I'm not saying that because I was born in 1989 and that was the last time that Calgary raised the cup, but, um, a wonderful year, (laughs) but I, when I was growing up my formative years, like I was like six or seven years old and watching, um, Patrick Waugh, Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg on my television. And this is back in the the nineties, middle nineties. And you're watching them on here in America. We have Fox and ESPN and ABC and that those are your main network channels. So you have hockey games on those main network channels and you have Patrick Waugh, Peter Forsberg, and Joe Sackick skating around monsters among men and it, being six or seven, they look like rock stars, almost like superheroes. I've, I've uh, mentioned it many times that Patrick Waugh to me, he was like almost like a power ranger Megazord or a Gundam, or it was like, he was in this super suit and he would play the game and he was incredible and then when he would be in the press conference, he was like a shell of a man. He was almost like Bruce Banner and the Hulk. And that's how it looked to me. And during that time, you're watching them and they win the cup in 96. And you're like, these guys are incredible. They got this new logo. They're like all of it just was a perfect marriage at the time. So I got into hockey with that team. And then just a couple short years later, you go through the rivalry with Detroit Um meeting Dallas in the playoffs many times and going toe-to-toe with them and then winning the cup again in 01 against the other team that I also pull for in New Jersey. I love the Devils. Don't ask me why. They're just a terrible team and have been for a while, but I just love the Devils. So you have the two teams that I like going against each other in 01, and I think that moment right there just secured my absolute rabid fandom in the game of hockey and is one of those that I would, because this is before the internet was what it is today. I would play the EA sports NHL games and just simulate the seasons. And like, I was a geek, I was homeschooled my entire life. So I had all this, like I would jot down the stats of like my simulated seasons and that's how I would keep track of players. So when I would awesome, And like when I would watch games, I they would say, oh, yeah, Paul Correa. I'm like, oh, I remember him. He plays four. And that's just how I kept up with the game. And I, the EA Sports games and just hockey in general, like both of those were a perfect marriage for me through my formative years all the way up. And I've kept up with the game of hockey. We've had a ECHL team in Birmingham um, up until the year of uh, 2000. Then they moved to Anirondack, and we had a huge gap of no hockey here at all. You had Nashville. You had Atlanta for a little while, but nobody went to Atlanta Thrasher games. Um, Nashville hit the ground running, um, but that just wasn't my kind of hockey. I fell in love with the Avalanche and that type of hockey. Like Nashville jumped in with both feet trying to be Southern hockey, which I get, and that's great. Um, Carolina embraces like their Hartford roots. Um, and they still have that traditional hockey feel, even though they are the quote unquote bunch of jerks and they do the storm surge, like they have their spin on things. Nashville is your full on country music, almost like a little brother to Calgary in a way like they're like 
the cowboy hats and the that's Nashville. That's just that's their brand of hockey, but that's not my hockey. So I've been a Avalanche fan ever since I was the age of six. And fast forward to where I am now, I have it's you have to really try not to get hockey coverage right now in the states. Like it's everywhere with this new deal with ESPN and being everywhere and being popular. And we have a SPHL team now in Birmingham. So the Bulls have come back. So I have hockey here. The state of Alabama, we have uh, Nick Dowd, who plays for the Washington Capitals. He was born in the state. Like, he's the first player from the state of Alabama to reach the NHL since 1936. They had a player from Chicago um, that also was born in Alabama. But there was a that's a huge gap, almost 100 years since we had somebody from the state of Alabama playing in hockey. So Nick Dowd um, is a product of the state of Alabama. And Cam Talbot current goalie for the Minnesota Wild. He played for the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And that is their big claim to fame that we had Cam Talbot. And anytime they mention Cam Talbot, they always mention his college and make some little offhand comment about, wow, that's ridiculous that hockey is in Alabama. It's not like that anymore. But that that has a lot to do with my fandom and where I am today. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your love of the uh, EA Sports video games. And I was going to ask this later, but now's the perfect time. Tell, tell the listeners, every Friday night, I think you do this? That is correct. Um, I am one-third of the Lamplighters podcast. It is a podcast about mental health and hockey, um, health over hockey. And Robin Leonard has been a, a, a poster child for this, about making it, like, okay to talk about. And that's what we do. It's a podcast about addressing things with mental health and the game of hockey. Like, it's a, it's a place where you can come with, like, no stigma attached. And on Friday nights, we do a Twitch stream with NHL 22, where it's just a cool place for everybody to just hang out. You don't have to put on your, like, macho mask and, like, be brave and, like, yeah, hockey this and, like, crushing cans on your head. Like, you can just come exist and just (laughs) talk with hockey fans. There's no judgment. So me, the other co-hosts, Alex and Zach, we all get on Twitch every Friday night. and We play NHL 22 for two, three, four hours and just – talk about hockey and life and it's just a cool place to be and nhl 22 is probably the best game ea sports has put out in the past five years because they actually worked on the game this time see that's funny i haven't bought it yet because i heard it wasn't that good i've i've got 21 i know ken's been demoing 22 i got i did i did purchase it it is it's oh, a you lot did better. purchase it it's a lot better than it yeah you don't you you're gonna struggle without that cross ice pass and yeah uh, shoot you know but then that, there's that's no way I'm buying it yeah I know <laughs> you play Trevor online and it's like cross ice pass score God, you know like just lay a defense me <laughs> down the middle and hope you could deflect it yeah, well I'll never be playing uh NHL 22 or 23 ever again that's the go to yeah they they did so much with this game and like we got so spoiled with the same old same old year after year like I have bought every NHL game since 99. And this is the first time I can feel an absolute jump. Like they completely changed the engine that the game is running and just how the players move and react and how shots are made. It feels more realistic, which is a blessing and a curse because for players that have played as long as I have, it feels like, well, this game's broken. It's messed up. No, it's actually a good hockey game and we're just not used to it yet. Nice. Yeah, I might actually have to give it a try then. Yeah, it definitely does take a little more getting used to because, what like you say, for the past five years, it's been the same 
the same recycled game almost, which has been disappointing at some points because you want something new and better. And I, I think it so far, it looks like they've given it to us this time. So, yeah, typical hockey community. We beg and plead. We want change. We want something new. We want something different. And we get something new and different. We're like, this game's broken. I'm never buying this game again. Just complain. (laughs) It's like Flames Twitter. (laughs) That's that's exactly like Calgary Flames Twitter. Don't get me started. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) That's a three-part series. So you mentioned uh, some uh, some the the Avalanche, the Devils. Is there any other teams that you're very partial to? And who do you hate? Like, is there a couple teams you're just like, get these guys off my screen? Yeah, and. I'll start with the teams I hate. Like if you're an avalanche fan, you hate Minnesota and you hate Detroit. Um, Those are your two rivals. If you are one of the OG quote unquote fans, but uh, a discussion I've been having here recently with a buddy of mine who runs the uh, locked on avalanche podcast, um, Chris Maselli, he does a really good job over there. We've been talking, I think the two new rivals for the avalanche because Detroit doesn't matter that much anymore. Minnesota isn't what they used to be. Like they used to give us problems in the early 2000s and late 2000s. Um, I think it's St. Louis and Vegas right now. Honestly, any team in the central right now could chalk St. Louis up as a rival. Um, St. Louis is just an annoying, like be in the bonnet, just annoying team. And especially with that, that sideshow of a goalie, they got, they don't, yeah, oh. they, he, he doesn't help things. And, for some reason, he's gone absolutely off the rails. And just a couple nights ago, he's taking swings at Nazem Kadri. Just doesn't – I just – we don't get it. But so St. Louis and Vegas are two teams right now you will – you'll be hard-pressed to find me say anything positive about. And going back to the Twitch, that's one of the things. If you cash in channel points, you have to make us talk positive about a team you mention. And for fun, people will get in the chat and they'll be like, hey, Kyle, talk about Vegas. And I'll sit there just staring for five to 10 minutes and have to find something positive to say about a team that I despise. They came into the league. They came into the league. Good. Which is something that Minnesota and Columbus didn't have the opportunity to do. And Vegas came in and immediately set the league on fire. And that fan base is entitled and they feel like this is how things should be. That's putting it politely. Yeah. And for like, I think every fan base that's been around for more than 10 years can understand there are peaks and valleys. Like everybody, when they see the avalanche, they think immediately Patrick Wajo, Sackick, Forsberg, Kaminsky, Deadmarsh, Foot. But you don't remember when that was over and the Duchesne and the when Ryan O'Reilly was there and we were chalking up like the worst season in NHL history and Patrick Waugh quitting on the team because he just couldn't do it anymore. Like there are some dark times for Colorado and Vegas hasn't gone through that yet. And they're extremely annoying. And St. Louis is the reverse of that. They've had one good season and they feel like they are at the top of the world. So I'd I'd say that was more of a half good season because it really turned around in January. Yes. They have a cup and they have, a drunk hull singing Gloria. <laughs> and I, you have all these little things that you can hold on to. And apparently we should respect you, but I mean, Gretzky didn't even like being there. So, and he's been, he's been a lot of places. I mean, he, he stuck it out in Arizona for a long time, but like, um, I just can't deal with St. Louis and Vegas right now. 
I still hate Minnesota and will hate Detroit for the rest of my life. Um, I, I joke all the time that if you have a Red Wings jersey you don't want to use, I'll shred it up and use it as toilet paper. That's just how it goes. But when it comes to teams I like, it's Colorado clear number one. A distant number two is New Jersey. I do love New Jersey and everything they got going on. I respect Columbus. That team, they do what they have to do. They have an attitude yeah. where they don't they don't complain, where a lot of other teams in those situations will be like, we're just never good. We were handed a bad batch from the NHL when we started. Um, I love Columbus. I love Florida. I like the Panthers. I can't stand the Lightning. But I do like the Panthers because they have that same mindset. Just a couple pieces will be fine. They don't complain when things go bad. They just pick themselves up and put a new team together. So I like Florida as well. There's a lot of love in uh, my neck of the woods in Calgary recently for the Florida Panthers. There's some fairly big names on Flames Twitter who just love that team. Now, obviously, Sam Bennett there is has caused that, but I'm with you. Florida has actually turned into a, a very fun team to watch. Very exciting, and they're going to be out. And again, Tampa Bay, well, of course I hate the Lightning. But yeah. Of course I hate them. If if you say it was in, I'm cutting your feed right no, now. <laughs> I won't. It was in, but I, it wasn't in when it, on the scoreboard and that's all yeah. that matters. Yeah. I go talking with Florida. I mean, the way I look at the league is I, I'm a Canucks fan and I hate 31 other teams now, but how I rank my dislike of those teams uh, is, is quite different. Florida. I, I like how they're built and I, I've, more so for the game of hockey in the NHL. I'm glad they're better and people start realizing that in, in there and go to the games because if they don't, you know, it, it's going to be tough to keep that team there. And during those dark years where they weren't very good under 10,000 people, that's not going to keep an NHL franchise in anywhere else other than Arizona. I really like, you talked about the teams kind of in the South and how that's their brand of hockey. And I think, you talk about Carolina. Actually, I like what they've done to bring the fans in there and make it so that people want to go and it's fun because you got to build those markets. And as much as the purists may hate it, there's some teams that could take away some key things to do from Carolina. And mm-hmm. I think they, they're probably one of my uh, least hated teams. I, I had a, until they signed D'Angelo, I was a, a fan of them last year. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, I, I, I completely agree with you. I wish more teams would embrace where they are instead of trying to be your typical hockey team FC. Um, just be be where you are. Like, latch onto that environment. And I, it's a credit I give to Arizona, the Kachina, the that whole design, that look. It's Arizona. You see it, and you're like Arizona. Like if it, a fan in the states looks at something like um, Calgary. You gotta like you're like, what's that about? Uh what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> like you you gotta you gotta you gotta do a little research. Like I like when teams embrace where they are. Like I said, Nashville's not my thing. I'm not a country music guy. So like, but in Nashville, like they have a full barn all the time. Same thing with Carolina. It's because they're marketing to their fan base. Um Vegas, that's a Vegas team a vegas environment that's a sideshow before and after the game like that's vegas well and during with those with those helmets exactly (laughs) like it's all just a sideshow seattle 
they came out a little flat. They could have really embraced more Seattle, but they are they've almost become NHL team FC. So we'll see how that goes from there. Well, actually, I was I like, reading. Go ahead, Ken. Sorry. Oh, sorry, just a quick thing with Seattle. Like I was actually reading um, with their three stars. They don't give out a stick. They don't come out with like a hat and throw it out over the glass like like a lot of teams do. They actually come out with a salmon, like a sockeye salmon stuffy. And because of the pike place and the fish Mm -hmm. fish toss they do there, that's what they do for their fans for the three stars, except for with their whole like, you know, climate pledge thing and educate. They actually have a little tag on there with, uh, was it the sustained fishing around salmon that they throw in? So it's also educational. It's area related and educational, non-hockey educational at a, at a game. So that was one piece that came out. They just they need to stretch wrap a Starbucks gift card onto that and then they're golden. Maybe, maybe I'm just bitter because I was hoping now they raised the banner to the Metropolitans because I'm a hockey geek when it comes to history. So I love that they raised the banner to the Metropolitans. I just wish they would have incorporated more of that into their branding and their identity. Um, maybe as a third alternate jersey because uh, the Avalanche, they do that with division rival games. They have their throwbacks to the Colorado Rocky days. Um, I was hoping Seattle would do a little bit of that, but they just decided to be the Kraken because that's the first thing I think about when I think of Kraken is Seattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they did raise the banner for 32 for the fans, which yeah. all the purists again were, were all over. But that with the Seahawks, that's their thing like the 12s and that, that's a seattle thing it makes people feel connected and if it keeps them connected and making money and a successful franchise then this is where i'm at like let them do what they want to do it doesn't hurt anyone else they're not asking you to retire 32 league wide right like yeah i want to i want to jump back to the carolina hurricanes you guys brought this up i love what they're doing and one of the reasons i love what they're doing is the social media presence. They are trying to sell the game to a younger crowd, the bunch of jerks, the storm surges, they are selling it to the people they need to sell it to. And I applaud them for this because if you can't get a 10 year old kid, a a 16 year old kid, a 20 year old interested in Carolina, you're going to have trouble. So they are, they're hitting the nail on the head on that Avenue more teams need to do that. I, I know we were slagging Vegas, but they do it too. They have a very good social media presence. And I think more teams need to follow that. And Carolina is the best. Like that whole offer sheet thing with uh, caught Kinyemi and uh, like the throw and shade at the Habs. That was amazing. And that was a breath of fresh air that more teams need to do. And I think that almost goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment about the old boys club. Like, it's almost like you're upsetting those traditional hockey peers. Like Arizona relaxed their, um, their to the arena attire. And I know everyone north of the border is, oh, that's, they're just not respecting the game. I don't understand why they're going to be like, oh, a bunch of, like, it's 2021. Who cares about that five second clip about you walking to the arena? Who cares what you're wearing? Like, it's honestly how names get standing out in the NBA. It's just the ridiculous attire. And honestly, speaking as a hockey fan, I could say this. I'm semi-qualified. The NHL has a problem with branding their players. 
I was like, just going to yeah. say that. I could go down the street right now, right here in Alabama, and say, what do you think about Connor McDavid? And I bet you seven out of the ten people will think I'm talking about Connor McGregor, and they will correct me. <laughs> like, I mean, your big names of the game are big to us. Nobody else. Like, I could tell you Tom Brady. I could tell you LeBron James. You know exactly who I'm talking about. If I tell you Sidney Crosby, you're going to look at an actor on a television show. Like, hockey has a problem with personalities and brands and getting yourself out there. And maybe Arizona's finding something here. Um, maybe they're just trying to lure Austin Matthews back home. But, I mean, this is what the NHL needs to do. And with the in increased publicity with ESPN and TNT here in the States, I think that helps, but we need to get out of that old boys club. Like just get to the rink and do your thing and pucks in deep and cycle the puck and short shift and double shift and just get in, get out, just do what you got to do. No, we gotta, we gotta work on the game. Like it's great for us, but it needs to be great for more than just us. They, the teams actually train their players to give robot answers. They yeah. really do. And it's unbelievable. Let's train these players to be on social media and do it responsibly. Well, let's, let's teach, train them, be on social media, have personality. How else are you going to identify? Like Connor McDavid is one of the most bland players out there. He's amazing to watch on the ice as much as I hate to say that, but off the ice, like here in Alberta and Canada, he's, there's a series of commercials right now that he's on for Rogers and they are, they don't bring out his personality one bit. It's yeah. like typical old bland Connor McDavid and they do that with every player let the people relate to these you hit it with the NBA they let their players have personality and the NBA is widely successful now the NFL they don't let their players have personality and it's still successful despite of that they're doing it wrong but I'm 100% on board give these guys a voice so people can recognize who the hell they are exactly. yeah like I, I was gonna say like if you take an NHL interview and do a whole 60 minutes, black it out. So you can't see who they are, disguise the voice and you listen to what they have to say. You're just going to say, well, that's hockey player, a B C and D because like you said, they all say the same thing. You're never going to grab that younger crowd that wants to see those big personalities. And, and I'm with you on the relaxed uh, attire. Like who cares about, what they wear to the rink. And that's part of the problem with where they say hockey's for everyone. Well, it's not because they train that, especially like in Canada, if you're a hockey player at 10 years old and you're playing at a high level at 10, that doesn't, shouldn't exist. You're supposed to show up in a suit. Well, the hockey's already expensive. And now you're telling parents to shell out for a suit that they might last six months in. Like just show up and play the game. That's what it's about. I don't remember the last Stanley Cup finals that breaking everything down. I don't remember them saying, well, you do know that St. Louis came into the arena in Armani suits. So they're going to have the edge tonight. It contributes nothing to the game. I don't know what's the point. Like if yeah. we're having suit versus suit breakdowns and they're sitting in the locker room like, oh, their suits are so much better. They had a three piece and mine was right over here from men's warehouse. We're going to be in trouble, yeah. boys. You know, when Austin Matthews was wearing that Gucci, he was on a seven-game <laughs> scoring streak. Like, <laughs> much, like, I don't understand. Like, I get you want to look like a professional unit heading to the rink, but you already are. Yeah. I mean, you're getting paid. That's what makes you a professional unit. So, 
there's no need for the suits. So Kyle, heading into the 2021-2022 season, the Colorado Avalanche were widely regarded as a Stanley Cup favorite. Give us a breakdown. How's the Avs season been so far? Uh, like they're eight games, they're what, four and four or something like that. How's it going? I know there are some injuries. Are they on track here? Uh, it To the outside looking in, it looks terrible. But for season Avalanche fans, this is par for the course. Um, like we got rid of Jonas Donskoy, uh, Belmar went to Tampa Bay. Uh, Brandon Saad is with St. Louis. Those were heart and soul veterans of the team. And yeah, they don't show up on the stat sheet. I get that, but they are emotional leaders in the locker room. And that voice who has been there for those, um, those times in the game where you're like, well, I know this is what you need to do. I played against them before. Like, this is what you need. How do you need to approach it? And the avalanche are seriously lacking that heart and emotion. You could see it in the lines. Um, Jared Bednar is flipping those lines up and down half because of um, injuries that we sustained and suspensions. Like we've already lost Nate McKinnon for a couple games, gave Landis Gog for a couple games, Miko Rantanen right now for a couple games. And now coming out of that Minnesota Wild game on Saturday night, looks like uh, Andre Burakovsky for a couple nights. So the, there's no way to get those lines working together. I don't think we've seen the avalanche yet all year, which is a blessing and a curse. It's a curse because we've got out to a, a 500 start and two overtime losses. Um, but it's a blessing because you don't know what you really have for this current team. Um, they are now relying on Darcy Kemper and net, which everybody else rolls their eyes and says, Oh, that's, that's just going to be a detriment. But I, I completely disagree with that defensive core ahead of you. All three of us can get back there and take a period and we'll be just fine. We'll be over an 800 save percentage because that defense is so good. And Darcy Kemper stood out to Joe Sackick last year um, in that playoff series, the avalanche had with Arizona. He was the only shining star for the Coyotes was Darcy Kemper. And it took them a good two games to figure out how to get anything by him. So Darcy Kemper is doing great. And how's Philip Grubauer doing for you right now, Seattle? But um, like Darcy Kemper is doing great. The defense is great. Bowen Byram has exploded on the scene. He's, he's doing a good a, player. He's cool. he's and now pairing him up with Kale McCarr. I mean, come on. What's there to complain about there? And then you still have Nathan McKinnon, as crazy as he is. You have Gabe Landeskog, the, the Thor-like captain of the team. And you have Miko Rantanen, who's your ace in the hole. He's almost like a Star-Lord in a way, as a Guardians of the Galaxy reference. Like, he's just, he's kind of like your gunslinger. He gets out there and does what he has to do. You have Nazem Kadri to give you physicality that you don't really have anymore. Um the Avs have seriously been lacking physicality since we had uh, Cody McLeod um, back in like the early like 2010s. Cody McLeod was our physical outlet. Oh, tough as nails, that guy. I, I hated playing you guys. I still do. <laughs> yeah, he was he was bananas. And then we tried to do the same with uh, Nikita Zadorov. Oh, was, don't get me started. Yeah, and he was <laughs> he was not there to win you games. He was there to even out the game. And he's not in Calgary to do that either. No, he's not. <laughs> and like it's uh 
physicality. I mean, I, I say it all the time, like that top line for the avalanche, they're three Porsche vehicles, like they're high tuned, like pristine muscle cars out there. And you have to have somebody out there to protect them because yeah. when you play like that, they're high speed, high skill, but they're not known for their physical play. Even though I say that and Gabe Landeskog is taking it upon himself to fight everybody in the league and then take roughing penalties all year long. Cause that's fun. But it's Nas is there to equalize everything. He's a vocal leader. Um, Andre Burakovsky got to figure out what his role is with the team right now. And if everybody doesn't forget, like Joe Sackick was on the phone with this Jack Eichel deal um, just a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about acquiring Jack Eichel. And rumors are Burkowski was one of those pieces to go. And because Buffalo wouldn't retain any salary on Jack Eichel, Joe Sackett hung up the phone because he is the dirtiest player in the game and he will get what he wants. And if you're not going to give it to him, he'll find it. Joe Sackett and Ken would agree with me here. We think he's one of the best GMs in the game. It's not even close. Eisenman is and Sackett for sure. And to never get awarded. He's never, he's never in the running and it's just mind boggling year after year with everything he does to turn Valerian Nachushkin into a formidable player. Got him from Dallas when he went almost two years without scoring a goal and to be a prominent member of that forward core on that second and third line. And for him to get Burakovsky and uh, Philip Grubauer and nobody says anything about it. Grubauer was a backup in Washington. Burakovsky, yes, he won a Stanley Cup, but he was not a prominent member of that Washington Capitals team. And for what Joe Sackick does with these acquisitions and turns them into flourishing talent, like he's got Ryan Murray and Jack Johnson contributing to the Avalanche right now. And nobody says anything about, hey, Joe Sackick's got an eye for things. Well, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, well, I yeah, you lost yell. Graves and you're not feeling it at all. Yeah. When I usually yell at my phone or whatever I'm seeing a update on when Sackick makes a, a trade or a signing and it's like, stop helping this guy. He's good enough as it is. But going with some of the work he did this offseason, Trevor and I usually do an offseason show where we try and predict the the top 10 or 12 free agents, where they're going to go. Now, when it came to Gabe Landeskog, I had him going to the Rangers because Mm. it seemed like things weren't going so well with the abs. And I figured the Rangers would be in on that, seeing how there was talk about Eichel and this would be a free way to add a superstar top player to their lineup. How worried were you that Gabe wouldn't come back to the apps? I would say 15% worried. It honestly, once everything was said and done, and once you got through the expansion draft, um, honestly, this felt like Gabe Landeskog and Joe Sackick went into this knowing what the outcome was going to be. And this felt like almost like the LTIR situation that Tampa Bay went through uh, just to get a cup. I felt like this was the same deal. Like put Gabe out there and let all the interest be on him. Joe Sackick do what he has to do behind the scenes, knowing Gabe's coming back. Um, Like there were reports that Gabe Landeskog's at the Seattle Mariners game. And oh boy, Gabe Landeskog going to Seattle. And then, oh, He's talking to Toronto. All the attention was on Gabe Landeskog and where he's going. 
Joe Sackick's doing what he had to do. He's signing here, signing there, inking this deal, and then gets Gabe at a bargain. Like what he ended up getting for what he's contributed already to this Avalanche squad and his his estimated value, it's a bargain. And then what it ended up doing was Seattle realized, oh, we're not getting Gabe Landeskog. Well, let's take this Brinks truck full of money that we were going to give to Landeskog back up and give it to Philip Grubauer. And instead, we lost Philip Grubauer. And how's that working for us? Like we have Darcy Kemper and still an unproven Pavel Francois. We made Jonas Johansson relevant for two or three games last year. <laughs> like we got Devin Dubnik just for kicks last year. And now he's, he's a free agent. But like goalie position is not a problem. And Seattle's like, oh, this must be the piece that made them good. Let's get Grubauer. And now you have nothing. You're going to probably be relying on Dreger halfway through the season. So Joe Sackick being just the riverboat gambler that he is pulled this whole old school WWF charade and it was him all along Austin and we got Gabe Landeskog and we should have we should have had zero reason to worry because this was a done deal I'd say before last year started. I want to I want to circle back on this a little bit. On our show Ken and I have specifically talked about Gabe Landeskog and Darcy Kemper. Um Ken was not a fan of the Darcy Kemper acquisition when it happened. He thought Grubauer was just as good or was kind of the answer there. I liked the Kemper acquisition. I think it's working out. Okay. He's, he's at about a 2.7 G uh, goals against, which is a little high, but I think it's still going to work out. I also want to point out in that predictions episode, uh, one of us did have it right with Gabe Landis cog and it wasn't Ken. It was me. <laughs> I got the money, the term, and the team 100% bang on. So if you need to know whose hockey opinions are maybe more valid on this show, that's, you know, you can, you can rest on mine. To be fair, he got one right out of 12 <laughs> versus my zero for 12. So it's not like he, you know, clean sheeted it the whole time. I think we were quite off on a lot of it. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and see what, what you have to think about in that position. Like, I understand you being upset about the Kemper acquisition, but like I mentioned just a minute ago, we made Jonas Johansson relevant, a backup for Buffalo. Like, it's it doesn't matter who you have as a goalie back there. Like, yeah, it might. I mean, we had Devin Dubnik, and everybody's like, what is he doing here? But it doesn't matter with that defensive pairing that we talked about with Kale McCarr, Bowen Byron, Eric Johnson. You have Sam Gerrard back there, the most underrated player for the Avalanche right now. Um, Sam Gerrard is absolutely incredible. And then you make Jack Johnson relevant. Like, it, I think that has a lot to do with Kemper's numbers as they are right now, is that defensive pairings getting themselves figured out on who's where and who's doing what. Once they get their feet under them, I'm pretty sure those numbers will level out. And by the end of the year, I think Kemper will have very mirrored numbers to Grubauer's production last year. I think for me, it wasn't so much. I didn't like it. I questioned it because he played good hockey on Arizona where no one gives a damn about hockey in Arizona. There's no expectations for Darcy Kemper going into Colorado. You're going from no expectations to cup expectations. And that was the question. How would he perform now going from very little pressure to you're going to be asked about a cup run every day and that, that was my concern around it and i got colorado's a good team so he's going to have a good team in front of him but it was just how is he going to handle that and will he buckle 
under the pressure. And I, you know, honestly, um, I hate to keep um, classifying it as it is, but like that pressure of winning a cup, I feel is an outside media thing. I don't think that's an inside Colorado mindset. Like you're going to have to win a cup. Like if everybody like rewinds a little bit last year, like before the season even started, um, before they won the president's trophy, there was serious talks in training camp from those inside the avalanche organization. Is this Franco's team? Is he going to win that starting job? And Grubauer was on the way to being the backup and possibly dealt fast forward to a president's trophy. It makes everything shinier. Grubauer has this inflated value and it's never about winning cups. It's winning games because it's a marathon. We're not, you know what you have, but it doesn't matter what you have. Like look at the statistics on teams that wins the president's trophy, winning the cup. It's not there. You can win the regular season, but it's all about what you do going through the playoffs. And that's the current problem with the avalanche now is getting all the way through being so beat up. You can't continue. We got knocked out by San Jose. We got knocked out by, it was uh, Dallas in a game seven, completely exhausted overtime goal. We're going to continue this and keep going. Like last year it was Vegas. Look at those rosters. Like that top line was so exhausted and depleted. They just completely gave up. This year, it's about keeping the regular season manageable, get into the playoffs, and then push from there. And I think the outside pressure of win a cup, win a cup, win a cup, I think it's falling on deaf ears because the Avalanche know what they have to do because they have lost every way possible when it comes to the playoffs. They know what they need to do, and that's why the team looks the way it does. It might not look like it makes sense to anybody on the outside, but Sackick knows what pieces he needs to get to that next round of the playoffs. So for the last few minutes of our show, I want to move away from the Colorado Avalanche and get your take on uh, some other teams around the league. Kyle and Ken, to you guys, what are some of the biggest surprises so far this year and biggest disappointments in the NHL? We'll, we'll start with you, Kyle. Biggest shocker so far is Buffalo. Um, I mean, that goes without saying, like they were the laughingstock, the joke, and they are doing this without Jack Eichel, which is the buzz topic for everybody in the game of hockey right now. Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel. Well, he's not winning games in Buffalo, but Buffalo is. So Buffalo is a huge shock right out of the gate and a huge disappointment right out of the gate. Chicago, was that's an absolute embarrassment and good for them. They deserve it right now. The other one, Montreal. I have never seen a team struggle so bad right now, especially after a cup appearance, Montreal looks lifeless and they are embarrassing. So Montreal and Chicago as a disappointment, surprising out of the gate. Absolutely is Buffalo. And you know what? I will say it now. Ottawa doesn't look too bad. They, they are surprising. And I think the more this season goes on and the more we go into an 82 game season, I think Ottawa's about to break some hearts this year. They might not go far in the playoffs, but they're going to ruin somebody's day. Yeah. No, that's a, that's Ken, a team for the future. Yeah. Ken, who are some of your surprises and, and disappointments? Well, I'm going to piggyback on surprises of Buffalo. And you brought up saying they're doing it without Jack Eichel. I think they're doing it because they don't have Jack Eichel. 
Uh, you can ask Trevor. I have said this a lot. I am not a fan of his. I don't believe the hype. I don't get why everyone's drooling over him. He's not Connor McDavid. He's Connor Eric McDavid Lindros. Yeah. yeah. Like That's a great take. <laughs> it is. Jack Eichel has not done what everyone expects him to do, but they talk about him like he scores 100 points a season, and he doesn't. So for that reason, they're doing it because of it. I think he is a cancer in the room. And so far good on Buffalo for proving 110% of the people wrong uh, for surprises uh, for a positive St. Louis at six and one. Cause I didn't see that um, disappointments. Yeah. I'm going to go kind of along the same lines, but I'm going to throw Los Angeles in there. Not that I really thought that they would be anywhere higher. I thought they'd be a little bit higher, but they are, they're dragon tail in the Pacific at two and five and, it's not looking good and I'm not a fan of LA, so I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a few teams that I'm going to go with the biggest surprises. Buffalo has got to be number one. Uh, the San Jose sharks uh, five and three have beaten some good teams. Very shocking. Um, the Calgary flames uh, six, one and one first place in the Western conference in local media. You'd have thought flames Twitter. We were going to be Owen 82, but they're to me a, a huge uh, surprise. Uh, disappointments. I'm there with Montreal. I love it though. I picked Montreal to finish dead last last year and they're just a year behind. Uh, Toronto, I think has been a huge disappointment to start Absolutely. the year. And another surprise and Ken just said it, the St. Louis Blues, I didn't see this coming. I thought Bennington is a nut job and the fact that he's actually kind of holding it together is shocking. Yeah, uh, reality will set in really quick for that St. Louis Blues team. It's why I didn't put them in a surprise, because after what the Avalanche endured with the Blues the other night, handing them their first loss of the season, the unhinged version of Bennington starting to rear his ugly head, and they're about to start tailspinning in just a little bit. Well, Kyle, at this time in our show, we usually let our guests, you know, kind of tell us about yourself. Tell us what you're doing. Where can people find you? You know, what, what, anything exciting coming up for you? Well, um, if you want to find me, I'll throw that out real quick. If you want to find me, you can find me at Shaggy Von Doom everywhere you look. That's how you find my personal Twitter. If you like to find here in Puckberg, you can find here in Puckberg at H Puckberg on Twitter here underscore in underscore Puckberg on Instagram, new season, season two of here in Puckberg will be dropping in January. You can find me also as one third of the lamp lighters over at ignite the lamp dot com or that's where you find all of our socials and we also do the puck lighters color cast on saturday nights um you will probably find us um somewhere on the color cast just follow those socials you'll know which game we're going to do um but yeah you can follow all the lamplighter stuff friday night twitch um we got a lot of stuff going on just go to ignite and find all of that kyle it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show this is some great talk like I said, right off the start, hockey fans, we have all the time in the world for, especially when from Alabama and a Colorado Avalanche fan, you don't see that often. So thank you for coming on our show. We will definitely have you on again. This has been a blast. Well, it was an absolute honor and uh, it's always great talking to you guys. Yeah, Kyle, appreciate it. Uh, well, yeah, like Trevor said, we'll have to do this again. Uh, that's our show for this week. We want to thank Kyle for coming on. Don't forget to check us out every Monday at unhingedsn.airtime.pro at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern to catch uh, all our brand new premiere episodes. Plus throughout the week, we have more. 
And uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Talk to you guys. Thanks, everyone.